Uh, here we go. Back at it again. Bold Perceptions, man. Your favorite podcast or soon-to-be favorite podcast. It's a podcast about positive energy from different perspectives around uh, the world. Our mission, we're connecting the freaking doers, man. Win-win relationships, sharing inspiring stories, you know, building a community here. And uh, it's neat. Today we got uh, a guest for, uh, for round two. It's Mr. Blake Cashman. And uh, if you have heard the first episode with him uh, we did in the summer... It was about his improbable rise, his journey to the National Football League. He's a linebacker uh, with the New York Jets. And uh, if you haven't heard that first episode, definitely check it out. Blake uh, details in depth about his recruiting process, all the injuries, all the times he was told no. Um, you know, it's it's a great story. And uh, I'm actually here with George, a member of the Bull Perceptions team, who uh, actually just listened to that first episode. George, what did you think of it? Yeah, I did. And I mean, it was incredible. Like you said, I mean, it's funny. I'm back for round two. Uh, it's a little coincidence. Blake here, Cashman, actually used to live with uh, Josh Parks, who was the guest I brought on and talked to. And uh, yeah, it's funny how things work. I'm back and uh, I got a common link here, so it'll be fun. You're the big connector, huh? The big connect guy. Win-win <laughs> relationships. I love it. But no, man. Yeah, Blake, we're so happy to have you back. Um, you just got done with your first year. We're going to get all into it, kind of go really in-depth, not just talk about the, the same old, same old. But, uh, you know, it was it was a pretty good year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, I would say, a successful first year um, in the NFL. It uh, was a big learning experience. Um, you know, I got a lot of valuable playing time, and uh, it didn't end the way I was hoping to, but uh, it was definitely a good jump start in hopefully a, a long career yeah no doubt i mean you started a couple of games man that's not easy as a rookie a, a fifth round draft pick what you were um you obviously took that uh, spirit of walking on to the university of minnesota and brought it to the nfl which is awesome didn't expect nothing less from you but um you also hit the injury bug again huh yeah it seemed to actually hit our whole team i, I think we I think we set a record, honestly, for how many guys we had on IR this year. Uh, and on top of that, we just had a bunch of different positions banged up. So that contributed to some of our struggles, uh, especially early on. Uh, we were able to finish the second half of the year uh, very strong, going 6-2. and two, But um, starting off 1-7 and seven puts you in a, a deep hole. So that's uh, not easy to get yourself out of it. But, um, you know, the injury sucks. It sucks for everyone they got hurt, but uh, it's definitely something that uh, you can aim, uh, especially as a young player, even uh, when you're out. And uh, like you said, I was able to start uh, quite a few games, got that experience in. Uh, so I definitely don't feel like I have a setback going into year two. I feel like I have what it takes. I've established myself and, um, I have all the confidence into going to my second season and also going in very healthy. Yeah, and Blake, so Rooney mentioned here, you're a young guy, you know, you're starting in the limelight. I specifically remember watching Monday Night Football against the old GOAT, Tom Brady, Booger McFarland saying your name on TV, just surreal. But uh, um, how was it playing against Tom and preparing against Tom? That had to be just unbelievable uh yeah uh playing against tom brady he's in my opinion without a doubt uh the greatest quarterback in nfl history 
Uh, I mean, his rap sheet of all of his accomplishments is incredible. Uh, but when preparing for him, the one thing you got to understand is he knows everything um, about your defense. He, he's going to uh, anticipate things, see things before uh, the plays actually snap. So uh, our coaches, you know, talked about all week that uh, we need to be sharp with every call we have and every adjustment we have. But on top of that, uh, we have to play fast. I think uh, it's crazy. I still remember the number. It was he averaged, I think, like 1.71 seconds. The ball was getting released every time he's thrown it. And as a pass rusher or as even a linebacker safety blitzing, you know, if you're as a linebacker, you're five yards deep, you, and the quarterback does a five-set drop, and the ball's gone. It's it's hard to get to him, but um, you know, it was it was cool to say that I got to play against him. Uh, such a great player, an NFL legend, uh, and also it was so cool uh, to see him make these calls and adjustments. You know, when I'm lined up on the line of scrimmage, looking this dude dead in the eyes, and he's pointing out my number, pointing at someone's number. He's like, they're doing a cross dog blitz, this and that, like. He, he just is locked in on everything, and um, as obviously it sucks as a defensive player for him to be calling that out and be like, shit, like, he knows exactly what we're running, but he uh, to see such a special player being able to do such special things um, is a great experience and cool to see. Yeah, and then so going off of that, was there any ever uh, any moments where he's calling something out against you? And you're like, oh, shit, like, he's looking right in my eyes. I'm the rookie. Like, you did you know ever that he's coming right at you with the route or anything? Was there ever any of those moments? Trying to pick on you? Uh, there was one – I can think of two times. One time he was trying to pick on me. They, they like to use their running backs as wide receivers. And uh, he started uh, with the running back in the backfield, and then he motioned him out. And – when he motioned out to the number one uh, spot, which was like five yards away from the sideline, I had to go out there with him. So he sees, okay, we're in man coverage. That's That was the indicator. Um, and then he snapped the ball, and the running back just ran a fade route down the sideline, and Tom Brady tried to hit him for like a 15-yard pass, back shoulder. Uh, and thankfully, like, I was uh, prepared for that. Uh, I was in good position, but our coach – you know, went over all the running back films or all the running back routes in the film room that whole week on what they like to run. And I knew based off um, where we're at in the field and where the running back was lined up that I was going to get that route um, or a five-yard sit-down. So uh, once he went past five yards, I'm like the back uh, shoulder fade coming. I was able to play it perfectly. Um, but the second time, uh, he, got my, he got my ass pretty good. Um, you know, it wasn't just my fault, but uh, – you know, he saw me lined up on the edge um, on the right side of the ball. He knew I'd be coming blitzing, and I, I was the guy to set the edge to force everything back inside. Um, but what he did was he motioned the tight end close down to the ball of scrimmage. I didn't adjust, and they cracked down on me. The corner didn't replace fast enough. And then so when they cracked down, they pulled some offensive linemen and picked up our middle linebacker, and the dude walked in for a touchdown. And I don't think I've ever been yelled at um, so hard by a coach in my life is when I came on the sideline. Greg Williams is just chewing my ass out. <laughs> Greg, yep. 
That's amazing. A lot of people think uh, football players are, you know, not the brightest and all that. But you remember this play. I mean, you played in all these games this year and this exact situation, this lineman pulling and not enough credit is due to the to the dudes in the league, how smart they are. We all know they're freak athletes and all that, but that's neat, Cashman. Now, my two questions, um, was that your surreal moment? Like, wow, I've dreamt of playing in the league, you know, since I was a kid. It's my dream. And now I'm out there lined up against Tom Brady, play with him in video games, watch him on Super Bowls. Um, was that your surreal moment? And then also, you know, talk about being the fifth-round pick, training camp, and not many fifth-round picks get to start. In a, in a season like that? I mean, you must have worked your ass off or things fell in place. Um, I would say uh, my, well, in terms of my surreal moment for realizing how, um, how smart guys are in the league and how quickly guys and coaches make adjustments and, um, you know, the mental part of the game, that was our third game of the year playing New England uh, when I realized that, I was like, wow, like playing against a guy of Tom Brady's caliber and, you know, Bill Belichick's team, like who just, they're always, you know, sharp with their calls, adjustments, their game plans. That was like, that I saw like the separation from different teams um, that I had, you know, played against in the preseason and the first two weeks. But I would say my first surreal moment was uh, when I un- un- unexpectedly got the start against Cleveland um, it was one of our Monday night games, week two of the season. Um, so early, just kind of thrown in the fire. But, you know, it's a Monday night football game, so it's all, you know, hyped up where they got the fireworks, the Jets flying over the stadium. Um, you know, it's sold out, running out of the tunnels. They got the lights flash. They got the whole, you know, Monday night show going on. So, uh, you know, I took that in and was like, wow, like, I'm going to be playing almost every snap. I'm going against Odell Beckham and Nick Chubb and Baker Mayfield. Like, like that was my like surreal moment um, in the league, and uh, I'll never forget, you know, getting that first start on Monday night. And then, yeah, Ryan, what was that second question you have for me? Yeah, being that fifth round guy, going through training camp, and then find your way starting. I mean, that's not easy. That's pretty rare. You know what I mean? Like, uh, how would you go through that to get, you know, have this season you kind of did this year? Uh, well, you know, going into the season totally expected to be playing on third down on defense and then a big special teams contributor. Majority of rookies are big, are, are special teams contributors. And uh, with, with injuries and how quickly the injury bug hit our team, um, coaches talk about since day one you walk in the building, there's always got to be a next man up mentality and you always got to be prepared to be thrown into the fire like that. Uh, so no matter if it was, you know, preseason or regular season game, every player in each position room prepares like they're starting. You gotta, you gotta know every in and out. And I, I do give some credit, some credit to the coaches for that because, um, you know, they don't let anybody hide in the room. Like they'll, they'll test the game plan. They'll, uh, um, you know, test players throughout the week on if they know what their job and assignment is. And they're not just doing that to the starters. They're doing it to the backups as well. So, um, it's a it's a it's a league where you know you can lose your job any day. So um, everybody's just kind of always on their toes, always on top of their um, you know their shit in terms of getting the game plan right. So um, you know it came around Monday night and we were down a linebacker and coach came up to me. I was rolling out in the locker room. This this is about 
an hour before game time. And he says, you know anything? I'm looking around the, uh, the locker room, and there wasn't any uniform in uh, one of our linebacks' locker room. I said, man, where he's at? Is he ain't playing? And he looked at me and winked. He said, looks like you're starting, rookie. And he's like, don't fuck this up. His <laughs> exact words. Uh, but went out there and uh, was able to do a pretty good job. Was it the same attitude, um, the walk-on attitude, all that attitude that you just kept in the NFL, and then, you know, you got your opportunity, you took it, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's just you quickly learn, I think, when you get to OTA's training camp before your first season starts, um, you quickly learn how to be a professional. And um, when you know how to act as a professional, and on top of that, you carry – your own characteristics and values, um, like mine of, you know, determination and just kind of that never give up, up attitude. Um, you know, I think when you put that all together, it's, it puts you in a good position to succeed. And for like, for me, when I get thrown into a starting position, we too unexpectedly, um, prepared for that moment. Yeah, that's that's super cool, man. Right there is what it's all about. And you said kind of your uh, come to Jesus moment, like holy, holy shit, I'm in the league. You're looking around, you see Baker warming up, Odell, all these big stars. What was it like first meeting? You know, Le'Veon Bell, big personality. Uh, C.J. Mosley just got paid, has the Aventador. What's that like seeing these guys at first? These big egos and these big personalities. Um, but it's it's funny because. You know, before you get to the NFL, uh, you, you know, you see on Twitter, um, social media, ESPN, uh, and just in the media in general, you know, videos, pictures, um, statements, tweets, you know, things about these, you know, players that have so much attention on them and uh, the media and people just kind of make assumptions on who they are, what they act like, all those things. But, um, you know, for the most part, it's completely different i think what the media or what you know the general public tries to make these people out to be because um you know, everyone talked about Le'Veon as great athlete great football player but it's all about him um he has a big ego doesn't like care to you know get to know his teammates and you know he's just there to, to do his thing get paid and not really trying to you know, put the work in to go the extra mile. Uh, and when I first met him, you know, he was a guy, uh, you know, talking with a lot of different people in the building, not just players, but, you know, staff members from um, the marketing department up in the front office. Uh, he was talking to the trainers, assistant trainers, janitors. And um, as the weeks went on throughout training camp or OTAs and training camp, he, uh, he developed more of into like a leadership role, I would say, um, became more vocal with the team. And, um, and then when things, when the shit hit the fan, we, our season was, you know, we were Owen four at one point, like you just saw like the fire lit up in him. He was can, always pushing everybody out of the day. And he like brought an extra juice of energy, I would say. And, you know, that's a side I don't think people expected to see out of him. I didn't expect to see it. Um, and that's based off, you know, what the media kind of makes people out to be, I would say. And they're not always wrong, but I would say most of the time they are. 
Yeah, no, they got to do their ratings and, and all that and make people, you know, get angry, click on tweets and, and all that stuff. But most of the time, they're just regular dudes like yourself, good people. And, you know, but let's let's get into that fame, that money, the woman. I mean, what is that? How do you keep yourself in check? How have you, you know, dealt with all that uh, that spotlight and, you know, kind of the, the other side that the public doesn't see? Uh, well, I think in terms of handling myself and um, being on a big platform, I would have to say a lot of uh, how I handle that. I got to give respect to my parents is how they raised me. I, I think, um, you know, I think for the most part, people handle themselves well because, you know, each time they move on to a different level of football when it goes from high school to college and college to the pros, um, the stage gets a little bit bigger. And so um, you kind of slowly get introduced um, to a bigger spotlight. So uh, in terms of how you grow up and then just advancing to the next level of football, um, that, you know, kind of prepares you. Um, but it also helps to have, uh, you know, a team around you uh, that supports you. I'm not talking about, like, players. I'm talking about, like, you know, your your agent, your marketing agent, a financial advisor, uh, I know some guys, not me, because I'm not that caliber person, but I'm sure someone like Le'Veon or CJ has a manager for, you know, their events and their schedule and other things going on. But um, to have, like, a good group of people that are working for you, uh, you know, that are looking out for you, for your best interest is important. And when you talk about money, I think that's the biggest issue for players in the league, especially for young players. And, you know, it's, it's you know, it's, uh, a fact really it's not something that's hidden that you know people tend to blow their money and um i think and i would recommend for any player going into uh the nfl or that's you know on an active roster to get a financial advisor because uh it sure helps me and when you talk about people uh asking for money or um you even wanting to spend money because it's more money than you even need it, it, it's nice to have somebody, you know, in your ear that can just pick up the phone and call you or text you to put you in check. Um, because, you know, usually a financial advisor, they know what it takes to set yourself up for a future financially. So um, I think that's what really honestly helps me. How do you deal with the the fake people? How do you deal with the people Constantly asking for things. How do you differentiate between who's real, who just wants something, or you know all that kind of crap that comes with uh, the spotlight? Uh, for the most part, and be brutally honest, I just ignore them. Uh, a lot of times, it comes on social media. It'll be random people or people that um, you might have known in middle school or high school you haven't talked to in a while that are trying to be entrepreneurs. They hit you up talk about how great it is to see you, you know, living your dream on TV and, um, and they'll, you know, throw in there, Hey, I got, I'm just started this. Like you, you want to invest with me? And, you know, the great thing about it, you know, they're hitting you with a DM on social media. You can just ignore it. Um, and I'm, I think in a blessed position to say that my family hasn't, uh, asked really anything out of me or expected anything from me. Um, but in terms of, you know, like going out and having a social life, being around friends or um, people that, you know, you, 
that are, you know, maybe on your tier two level of friends, you know, people you aren't that close with, but kind of close with. Um, that's, I think, the most challenging part about having all this money coming in because, um, you know, you go out to a restaurant and um, you're with all your buddies from high school or, you know, former teammates from college. They all know you have enough money to cover the dinner, a lot more money than they do. So people just kind of expect you to start picking up tabs. Um, and, yeah, sometimes it's not a lot of money, but it's it's annoying when that stuff starts to add up. Oh, I got to pay for your guys' movie tickets. That's 25 bucks. Oh, then uh, tomorrow we're going bowling. You want me to pay for everyone's um, feed a bowl? Okay. Oh, we're going out to dinner and having drinks. Hundred dollars like that stuff starts to add up, and the, and that's what drives me crazy. So, um, you know, for the most part, I'm good about saying no. Uh, every once in a while, uh, you know, if I'm out with my friends, something, you know, I'll treat them a little bit. But um, I don't, I don't play around when it comes to to money, and um, I'm not definitely not afraid to say no. And it's definitely something you got to learn early on as a player. Yeah, and going back to learning to say no. I mean, I'd imagine early on you got some rookie hazing, some obligate, you know, obligatory snack loads you got to bring to camp. Uh, whatever. You got a good rookie story in terms of that stuff? Uh, yeah, I got, I got some uh, rookie hazing that went on. Um, you know, still to this day, I'm, I'm kind of pissed about it. But, um, you know, every vet on our team would say the rookies got it easy, but uh, really what we had to do was in training camp, we all had to get up uh, a few times and sing in front of the team, uh, which, you know, that's all fun and games. Who cares about that? Uh, and then we'd also have to get up, and after every meeting, um, someone had to get up, a rookie, and had to tell a joke in front of everyone. Same thing. It's all fun and games, no biggie. Um, but then it's when you got to start taking money out of your pockets, which got annoying because I would have to stock our linebacker room with um, food and drinks. And uh, so I was running to the store buying cartloads of junk food, um, paying hundreds of dollars to stack up the linebacker room. I'm like, why are you guys even eating this? Like, like we're getting ready to go to practice, and you guys are snacking on Oreos and Pop-Tarts. I'm like, yeah, we're professional athletes. Shouldn't we be eating something better? But, um, you know, they all like to snack, so I had to do that. Um, every time, every Saturday after walkthrough, I'd have to run to Popeye's or Chick-fil-A or something and, and pick up, um, meals, uh, for everyone in my position group before we got on the bus, um, to head to the hotel. And then, um, and then you have your notorious rookie dinner, which every rookie knows it's coming. And we had a fine pot, which everybody in the um, linebacker room contributes. So it's, it's say you got an interception practice, but you're running, you just dropped the ball. You know, that might be a $20 fine because um, you dropped, you dropped the ball and it's a stupid mistake, or you might be running and fall down and, and it looks really unathletic. You might get a NAF for that, which is a $10 fine. So all these fines for different things, mental errors and games, that all adds up. And at the end of the year, our fine pot was $4,000. So um, our coaches and players, we all went out and treated ourselves to a, a really good, nice 
steak dinner. Um, but the thing was, we had to spend all $4,000. So at the end of dinner, we had only spent like $2,200. So we had a lot of more money left over. So everyone starts ordering expensive wine bottles, bottles of champagne to take home. And, you know, that's when the money starts going by fast, especially when you're buying um, alcohol. And my coach looks at me, he goes, hey, Rook, by the way, whenever we go over for the bill, you cover it. And I was like, oh, hell no. Like, I already had my rookie dinner, like my rookie night. I'm not paying for anything. We got $4,000. We are cutting the bill off at $4,000. And he said, he said, nope, I always make the rookies cover more. And all the, you know, vets in the room, they look at me like, nah, man, that's messed up. We're not going to do it to you. So they're like, just honestly pocket the cash. Like, we don't care. Like, you're a good rookie. You deserve it. And my coaches were like, nope, if you guys don't order bottles, we're going to start ordering bottles and bring it home to our wives, this and that. So then, of course, all the players are like, screw it, I'm going to start ordering bottles. So they ran the tab up, and it ended up being like $2,000 more um, over our fine bottles. It was $6,000, and then I had to cover the rest. And I was just pissed off because literally, like, the week before that, I had my rookie dinner, and the rookie dinner is always very expensive, so... I'd probably say that was my worst hazy moment from rookie year. So thank God it's over with. <laughs> yeah. Hey, speaking of that, Blake, um, earning respect, like with those guys and like, you know, saying no or saying screw off. Um, you know, how does that go with that? You know, did you get tested a lot in training camp or during the season and trying to trying to little dog you and, and how would you play the, play the line of, you know, taking some of the shit, but then also saying, no, enough's enough. Yeah, well, you you nailed it right there. You kind of have to pick your battles. Um, if you – we had a rookie that didn't do anything, refused to get snacks, um, refused to do a rookie night. Um, the rookies had to decorate the, the meeting rooms with Christmas stuff. He refused to do that. Uh, and that just kind of gives you a bad rap. Guys um, – don't like that and so they just kind of honestly get a little disrespectful sometimes because it's part of like the fun of being in the NFL your first year is it's like being in a frat like you got to go through a little bit of hazing um your first year but um you know it, it, if guys start to like I think kind of disrespect you as like a man or um, make you do things that is completely out of pocket uh in terms of like say a wide receiver on the team comes up to me is like hey can you go get us all food like no I ain't, I'm not a receiver like go tell like a, an offensive rookie to do that like uh that would be like an instant where you got to stand up for yourself or um I, I remember one time sitting at breakfast and I was sitting with all the D-line and they had just mountains of food and garbage on the table and they got up and they're they're like all right rookie clean it up and I was like no like I grabbed my stuff, threw it away, and walked away. Like, I got out of that situation fast. So that was the time I stood up. But, like, then it's the time where I got to get in. It's, like, when one of our veteran linebackers comes up, he's like, hey, Cash, like, all the linebackers want some Popeyes. Can you run before we get on the bus and do that? Um, we really appreciate it. Like, like especially if they ask nice or um, respectable about it, then, you know, go ahead and, and do it. But, um you gotta, you definitely gotta learn to pick and choose your battles. 
Yeah, and so obviously you're in the Big Apple, right? I mean, headlines are going to come no matter what, no matter if you're three and thirteen or if you got if you're if you're what ten and two at Thanksgiving. Mark Sanchez's butt fumbling. <laughs> so when you got when you got headlines, I got to ask this because I just overcame freaking mono. When Darnold gets mono, is that just a, what's that like in the locker room? Are you guys like all right, no like funny business? Let's just you know stick to the script, or are you guys laughing like? Sam's out clubbing, getting mono. It was more like, it was more like, I mean, guys kind of had some fun with making jokes in the locker room, but um, at at the same time, you know, we were like, damn, like now our starting quarterback out for, you know, a month. We we don't know how long. So it was, it was one of those things where it's like, you want to make sure he's, you know, feeling better. He's getting healthy. Um, that in terms of what he got sick with, it was slightly funny. Guys kind of made a couple jokes, but and then reality hits you, and it was like, damn, that's our starting quarterback. So um, it was something, you know, afterwards when he was healthy, and then we started rolling, like guys could definitely have more fun with. But um, it, it hit us fast. It was like, damn, like we might be screwed since our starting quarterback is because that's obviously the most important position on the field in the NFL and um and you, you need a good quarterback in order in order to win games. Yeah, <clears throat> speaking about him and the 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 mono and all that. What's it like being a bachelor in that big of a city, the blue check mark, you know, a professional football player. You've always been a good-looking guy. I know you've had no problems, but you know, what's that <laughs> life like, you know, being a being a top dog over there, you know, and and uh your your value uh, it's, I, it's fun. You know, you know, I'm not going to lie. You, uh, you know, you got a lot of freedom, do what you want, um, hang out with whoever you want. But, um, you know, at first I didn't really go into the city much cause I was playing a lot, you know, on my free time, I was so tired and banged up anyways that I just wanted to rest. But after I got hurt and I recovered from my surgery a little bit, uh, you know, I would go into the city more. I also had some friends that didn't play football that lived there. So, um, you know, I was able to go do things with them. But uh, depending on – there is a couple spots, you know, in the city. Depending on where you go, people know it's notorious for, like, Jets players. So, um, you know, sometimes you get people harassing you. Um, sometimes you actually do meet some cool people, like uh, uh, fun fans. Um, but in terms of girls, like uh, – I mean, if they figure out who you who you are, it's it's rap city. Like you can just you can just you know pick your choosing. And I don't want to sound like a d-bag saying that, but it's the truth. And um, uh, I would say though, like you gotta obviously be careful because um, you're in a spotlight and it is New York, and nowadays everyone got a camera. So um, you definitely, if you're gonna be out, uh, make sure that you know you're acting in a responsible manner so is there a particular spots where it's kind of you know jets turf as opposed to giants turf are you guys running into each other and it's it's a gang war what is this what's this all about well the rumors are that the giants players hang out uh, in hoboken a lot which is in new jersey uh it's uh, right along the hudson uh, overlooking uh, manhattan uh but I can speak for us. We're the Jets players are always uh, in Manhattan. Um, 
more on the west side, lower west side of the city. It's called um, Chelsea or the Flatiron District, Meatpacking District. Like those are kind of the areas where, um, you know, guys will be out. Uh, the notorious spot that even fans know that guys would go at is called uh, Bounce Sporting Club uh, in Chelsea. Uh, that's, a, that's a spot where, you know, especially if, you know, we have some off time, any given night you might you might catch a, a player or two there. Cashman, dark side of the NFL, things that, that happened this past year that you didn't didn't realize they were going to happen or weren't prepared for. Um, just kind of, you know, uh, you know, behind the scenes without all the fans see and, and it's not all rosies and dandelions, right? Well, uh, in terms of things that it, like I thought were messed up that happened or, or things that just people don't see in general. Yeah. Like see in general or just, you know, it's not like you're living, you know, a fairy tale. It's not all great 24 seven. I would say just definitely how our, our schedule is set up. That was one thing that caught me by surprise was um, how much time you put into a game every week. And, you know, this was my, my like, I had to play full job. I'll, you know, get in at eight o'clock in the morning. I'm gone by three in the afternoon and I'd rest the day myself, probably have to watch some film on my own. Um, before coming back to practice the next day. And that couldn't be more far from the truth. Um, because, you know, when you start off the week in game plan, your first two days of practice, it's a 12-hour it's a work day. And by the time you get home, you are exhausted, both physically and mentally. And as the week gets on, the days get a little bit shorter. But it's not like you're going to a desk job where you know, you're sitting around all day and it's just mentally draining like it's physically drained too so it takes a toll on on you and as you go throughout the season it just the weeks and days start to stack up um but when you do have free time uh whether it be on your off day or um on the day after a game when you just have like a lift in some film um you you got to take care of your body and that's something that i learned that was super important that i didn't necessarily do that well in college because um it just you're playing with a bunch of grown men guys that you know they're doing football for a living so um you know I, I just feel like everyone plays faster they hit harder and you know not getting the ice tub not doing uh your treatment or massages like that stuff just breaks your body down and um it, it it's i think a reason why sometimes guys get hurt and why guys' performance slows down as the year goes on. Uh, Cashman, what about, like, the stress, the anxiety of always having to kind of, first of all, perform, you know, with your body and all that in the practice field, but, you know, just walking around and, you know, or, or what you put on uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram and kind of always having to watch your step because you have that spotlight. I mean, you're not really, like, quote-unquote free, are you? Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, you you got to honestly live with the mindset that someone's always watching, someone's always listening. And uh, I think in terms of anything on the Internet or social media, I think guys get some preparation for that um, once they get to college, especially if you're at a D1 level, 
just because you already have attention on you. You're, you're going to have every um, news outlet or reporter that follows that team um, is following you. That's how it was, at least, at Minnesota. Um, but it's the same thing in, in the NFL and more. Um, but, uh, you know, you you got to have a good mindset. you got to have an escape for um, – for you know, for ways to release, I guess your stress and anxiety. Because uh, I think just playing in the NFL, knowing that your job's on the line all the time, I think that's the most stressful part about it. Because you know, if you had a bad day at practice or a bad game, like you know, dudes tweak out about that, and you know, they lose their confidence and uh, motivation, and and then that can just kind of lead a player to spiral out of control and go down a bad route and start performing bad. Um, so you got to have a way to clear your mind, kind of hit a reset button, and you kind of have to do that, I think, every every week just because um, there is a lot of attention and stress and anxiety that comes with playing. Um, how, do you, how do you clear your head? For me, I just like to kind of bunker down uh, in my – apartment honestly I'm, I'm i'm somebody that loves to binge watch tv shows on netflix or i'm a movie junkie so you know i can rewatch batman the dark knight 15 times like that's how i'm that way you know i, I don't look I, i'm not on my phone i'm not in my playbook i just lay down and i you know i turn on um you know a good movie or tv show and just kind of let my mind focus on that um and, you know, that's a way for me to, to relax and get away. I'm, I know other guys have different tech, uh, techniques, but uh, it's going to be different for every person. Love it. Hey, uh, Cashman, before we go into these questions that were asked on the, the Insta story, um, I want you to talk about your foundation because uh, I think it's amazing. I love how you started it before you went to the NFL and uh, really want you to plug that. Yeah, I started it my – Senior year of high school, I'll be honest, I haven't done too much with it uh, since my end of sophomore year of college, uh, but it's called Athletes Answer to Hunger. It's a food relief um, organization that uh, is similar to, you know, Feed My Starving Children or um, Kids Against Hunger, uh, which, you know, was shut down uh, probably about six years ago, but if anyone's familiar with that, uh, it's, it's, it's just, you know, people coming together to uh, put food into a little baggie and then the bags go to box and then um, you can, you know, ship it overseas to countries that struggle with food insecurity um, or you can donate it to schools in your community that struggle with food insecurity. And me being from Minneapolis um, and having a mom that worked in food relief, uh, I think it, it was it was very shocking to me that just in Minnesota alone, um, and I don't know if this stat is still true today, but back in 2013 it was, it was like 27% of kids uh, struggled with food insecurity where they weren't getting enough meals um, at home away from uh, school. So um, what, what I did, especially early on, was we'd, you know, put uh, together a food pack. Um, we always do it with, you know, sports teams just because um, volunteering is so important in, um, 
you know, an athlete's world. Um, it, and, you know, you can do it with like church things too, but our, our target is, you know, athletes and sports teams. And um, what we do is we pack these food up and we donate them to these backpacking programs, uh, to schools um, in areas where they struggle with food insecurity. And um, the best part about it all is just, you know, seeing how grateful people are and how appreciative it is because, you know, that's, you know, truly what makes the difference and, um, you know, fills my heart up with joy. It fills your heart up with joy. You need to get back on it, Cashman. Jeez. We need to do a bull person. Hey, I, I just did a food pack, uh, not with my nonprofit, but with a nonprofit out here in New Jersey um, just this past Monday. But uh, definitely uh, going to be something I do soon. That's good, man. That's good. All right, so we got these uh, questions here. We got uh, probably about 10 of them, so let's do a rapid fire. But um, the first one from New York Jets Insider, who was your idol? Uh, my idol, without a question, is uh, LeBron James. I go to war for that guy. <laughs> David Ori Husky 90, how has recovery been? Recovery's been going great. Shoulders feeling awesome. Uh, getting stronger every day. If anything, the docs say I'm ahead of schedule. Sheldon Letton, how much do your Minnesota roots impact your life as a professional athlete? Uh, I, I mean, I talked about earlier on this podcast. I think, um, you know, Minnesota roots, how I was raised, who I was surrounded by growing up, um, has let me – has allowed me to handle, you know, being in the NFL, uh, handling the demands and struggles of being in the NFL and being on that platform uh, really well. And it's, I think being from Minnesota uh, has provided me with a, a strong um, base for who I am. Kim Bond 2, are you single, Winky Face? Uh, very single. <laughs> Far from being in a relationship. Uh, from, uh, oh, Mr. Uh, Brian Carlton, we did a connect with post on our, our, on our page, um, being overlooked, lit a fire to reach the NFL for you. What's your process to keep that mindset now that you've reached the highest level? Uh, it's a great question. I honestly, um, I think back to, uh, what, my coaches and mentors said to me in high school and then in college, uh, believe it or not, a lot of things I tell myself uh, are from Coach Flex Gopher Talk and his like uh, mantra. And I've had conversations with him about like you know never forgetting who you are, where you come from. Um, and so even today, man, I was I was working out and you know I, I haven't been able to work out as hard as I. I like to, and um, my shoulder and upper body is not as strong as I'd like it to be, just because I'm recovering from injury. And um, you know, I was I was hurting, and then in the work guys uh, looking up the clock, I'm like thinking about quitting on myself, and this you know, calling a uh, quits with the with the set. And I thought of something that um, Coach Fleck and I, and our coaches at Minnesota used to say a lot, and it's um, the pain of discipline over the pain of regret. You know, basically mean like stay disciplined in your workout and on the um, the road that you're you're on, 
um, because that's going to lead you to be successful. Because if, if you don't say discipline, then you're going to regret it sometime in the near future. So, I mean, I just kept reciting that and I, I pushed through my workout. I mean, as silly as it sounds, it works for me. So I just kind of go back to what, um, you know, people like coaches and mentors uh, told me growing up. Shout out Big Fleck, man. That guy is the real deal. And the, the Gophers really were good this year. Um, let's see a, Let's see if you know this guy, because it sounds like one of your, your boys. Who is your favorite five foot five hockey player? Five foot five hockey player? Is it a guy or a girl? It's a uh, it's El Pezzo. A L P E Z O. Pizzo, Pizzo, Alex Pizzo, yeah, went to high school with him. Um yeah, he can't call. He can't claim himself as a hockey player anymore. But honestly, I'm surprised he called himself five five. I would have gave him like five seven. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, last question here, Cashman. This one is a good one. Who is one of the coolest NFL players that you have had a chance to talk with? From AJO fifty nine. Uh. One of the coolest and most interesting players I've been able to meet and honestly develop a strong relationship over this past year is Brandon Copeland, uh, eight-year vet, um, plays for us right now. I, I believe he's played for Baltimore and Detroit in his career as well. Um, but not only is he a great guy, has a beautiful family, um, you know, has a strong you know, base and has great character, but, um, you know, he has his own foundation, uh, that works with, um, kids in, um, areas where, uh, they don't have a strong home life or they may even be homeless. Uh, so his foundation kind of helps those kids, you know, with a lot of different things, uh, which I won't get to, I won't really get into it, but he has, like I said, a foundation. He's a professor at UPenn. So he's a, uh, he's a smart guy. Um, and then he has so many different, um, I would say, business things going on outside of football to set himself up for success and, um, you know, ha and, and even having purpose once he's done playing the game. And I think it's um, someone that every player should admire just because um, that's a man with a plan, a man with a, a set future, and um, a provider for his family. That's good stuff, um, Cashman. Um, as we come closing here on, on round two with you, I think you did another wonderful job. Um, as uh, we've kind of talked about off air, and then uh, you know what we're trying to build here with the Bull Perceptions community, uh, I got you uh, hooked up with uh, Made by Alex, uh, a bad guy, hoping you guys connect and go from there. But uh, what we asked our guests and we asked people is, you know, what – what would you be willing to offer to our community? You know, if someone's going through a hard time, you know, can they slip in those DMs and you get back to them? Or, you know, uh, what can uh, what can you give to some people that might be listening to this? Um, I know a lot of people uh, very interested with my story, uh, interested how I was able to uh, make it happen. And I have had some younger kids, high school athletes, college athletes reach out to me um, and, you know, ask how I did it. What, uh, what was, what's my advice to give to them? And, um, you know, if it, it doesn't have to be football related. If there is anybody that 
is pursuing uh, a goal, I, I would say, you know, just reach out to me. Um, you know, let let me know that, hey, I was listening to the podcast. I um, overheard you talking, and I had a question about this. I'm and I'm because I'm pursuing um, this in my life, and I got these goals because, um, you know, I feel like my my story can be applied to anything because it, it it doesn't have to relate to football. It, it's all about you know having the right approach to a process and having the right mindset to that process. And I feel like, you know, I can help people in that area. Yeah, I appreciate that, Cashman. Obviously, for the people think about, you know, reaching out to him, know he's a, he's a busy dude. And so come, you know, with a good question. Not, hey, what's up? I mean, like, you know, give, uh, exactly. give man, respect the man's time. So, But I appreciate that, Cashman. I look forward to keep building relationships with people in the community. Uh, like we're hopefully doing with made by Alex and, and doing stuff. Cause you know, you know, it's the more you give, the more you receive, you know, and, um, George, how'd you uh, feel this episode went after you listened to the first one? I thought it went great. Interesting to see, you know, pre NFL, uh, as opposed to post first year in the NFL. And, uh, hopefully we can get bold perceptions sponsoring uh, MetLife stadium. next year. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think we got some plans with the Cashman and a uh, little uh, clothing Cashman in the works. But uh, no, man, Cashman, you're a good dude, man. I appreciate you coming back on here. Um, keep doing your thing. I didn't expect nothing less from you this season. You know, I was following it overseas and, and seeing you playing out there, and it's, it's neat, man. You're an inspiration, so keep it up. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was a, it was a pleasure. All right, Cashman. Till next time. All right.